hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I am still here with the delightful Daniel Knight. Say hello, Daniel. Hello. Oh, hello, Daniel. There you go. There you go. Um, Daniel, Mastermind continues. And your question for episode four is, given this is a freehander between what is essentially uh half the regulars of Pertwee era mm-hmm. can you think of another time in doctor who's history where they could pull off an entire episode of just the regular characters nattering away in a confined setting go uh, they'd have the to be pretty one. strong characters wouldn't they I, you could argue possibly Castro Valva, the first two episodes. Oh, that's true. With, oh. with, with, with Nissa and Tegan. Ark in Space episode one. Ark in Space episode one, of course, yes. Um, but that's more the Doctor and Hat. Well, I mean, you get you get Sarah Jane as well, but it's it, it's a nice, it's a great way to introduce Harry because he doesn't doesn't really do much in Robot. You sort of get he him to be he's he's confused. For like he two just, episodes. He goes off to be, yeah. He goes off to be, um, you know, do his James Bond bit, and uh, you know, as the man from the Ministry, and you know, it, it's a nice sort of, you know, you you see, there's a good chemistry between Tom and Ian Marta, um, yeah. but I'd also argue there's quite a good chemistry between Sarah between Sarah Sutton and Janet Fielding because they're they're two characters who are sort of thrown together in in the situation that they're in and they seem to they seem to bond quite quickly and i, I think I, I read somewhere i think one of the one of the one of the bbc the oh head of drama God. wasn't very was very yeah. critical of their performances really saving no he actually says in that, he says in that document um uh like don't don't give them too many scenes like a low like extended dialogue scenes again mm-hmm. it's really like and i agree with you i think they do really well in catch valve and i think because it's filmed out of order they've got to that point yeah. where they're quite relaxed with each they other quite, yes they because they, they they filmed castro valva fourth didn't they of the season they did four to doomsday then the visitation and then kinder and then in four to doomsday i'm perfectly convinced that janet fielding still thinks she's in like a you know, children's hour. I'm warning you, Adric, get out of my way! You know, it's very... <laughs> the subtleties are not quite there. But... I think she tones it down a bit, yeah. Do you she think, does. then, do you think this, which is essentially, like, massive padding, like, mm-hmm. it's, it is... The Doctor and Joe are taken off by the Master, they get out, they almost escape, they get captured again, and then the plot picks up again in basically in the next episode. Is this justified? It's it's padding, but it's entertaining padding. I know in episode six, the Doctor has to do another spacewalk because there's a there's a um, uh, problem with the with the ship that they're in. There's a panel mm-hmm. he has to fiddle with a panel, and then it it burn, it, it, it catches fire, doesn't it? Um, so I. I that that's that's padding that they could have got rid of. I think 
and it isn't particularly entertaining. It's just Pertwee, you know, Ealing Film Studios on on Kirby Wire, you know, messing around. Whereas this, there's a genuine sort of sense of this, you know, the characters interplay between the characters, and I think, yeah, you probably could cut it out, but I, I think it would be a shame if it, you wouldn't. It wouldn't be as rich. The story wouldn't be as rich if you if you didn't have it there narratively yeah you could cut it out but in terms of entertainment i think this is probably the peak of this story mm -hmm. especially katie manning doing her improvisation of like you know all my friends think you know it's, i'll go around with these fabulous james bond types you know and yeah. let me tell you it's nothing like that i'm stuck in the office doing the filing you know it's really funny i love the fact that i read a review saying that they saw it that, that she she should have learned it better or something that, that it sounded, you know, that she was seemed very uns unsure of her lines. But that's the point. She's yeah. making it, it's it's Joe making up all this nonsense as she goes along. And it's a, a very fan review that misses me. Daniel, you shock me. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's showing that actually, you know, she's thinking that she's thinking on her feet and she's trying to sort of convince the master and talk about all. And we've all been there. We've all been in situations in, you know, in conversations at parties or you know, wherever, and we're sort of waffling on about whatever cobblers we're waffling on about and it, and sort of desperately trying to not have have pauses in the conversation because then everyone sort of still feels anxious and embarrassed and whatever. So we've all been there. What are you talking about pauses in the I've done 350 of these episodes now, all right? I've not had one pause yet. <laughs> Apart from the cat's pause. Sorry. <laughs> well, oh... And that's just because I never shut up as well. Um, did you ever? It's your commentary. You can. You don't have. Yeah. You, you say what you like. Well, yeah. And you do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel as if there was there was some criticism there. You know. <laughs> Not at all. Um, did you ever read the Paul Mars novel *Ver Verdegree*? No. So he leads into know. this. This what she's talking about in this episode, where she's doing all the improvisation and saying about all oh, my friends think it's, it's such a glamorous lifestyle, and it opens up with Joe Grant, and she's off for a lunch date with her friend Tara, and the inference is it's Tara King from the Avengers, and that oh, Joe wow. Grant and Tara King are best busy mates, and she's like, and Tara's I'm always stuck in Unit HQ doing the filing, and she's off with these you know glamorous men going on these amazing adventures. Um, it's a very funny book. It really is. It's worth seeking Paul out. Mars, Paul Mars created um, Iris Wild Time, didn't he? He certainly did. Played by Katie Manning. Katie Manning. In fact, do you know what? In that, sorry, we will go to this episode of it now, I promise. But he had bloody nerve in that book. You never guess what he does. He has a chapter, right? And it's yeah. done as a, it's written as a series of security stills. Okay? So it's like image one. And then mm -hmm. he describes the image, image two. And the inference is it's a load of telly snaps, but he's doing it in prose. I mean, he's taking a bloody piss, he is. I'm telling you. Honest <laughs> to God. Anyway, sorry, that's a complete divergence. Um, should we go to episode four? Let's go to episode four. Okay. Yeah. See if they see who who's we, we didn't mention it on the in the net in the last episode, but the um the door, the 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 button for the door is um not exactly the most um, disguised uh, object of what it really is. No. Do you did you, did you ever think at any point that the air would be sucked out and that Doctor Who's adventures would come to an end? No. 
I didn't see this as a child. I would have been on. I would have been really worried as a, as a kid, but um, no. I think seeing this as a, as an as an adult who had also read the book and also seen you know archive features, and so I know what happens next. New Tom Baker come next. Read the program yeah. guide. There have yeah. been a few hints that this perhaps wasn't the end. This isn't going to be the end, is it? Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Because I'm fairly certain there's going to be some ingenious way out of it. You know. Oh, I'm sure there is. Let's go. A black gloved hand. Okay, we'll count us in. Five, four, three, two, one. Off we go. Into time. And, and space. space. Hey! <laughs> mm. You know, a friend of mine. You can do the high five. I'll do it in the <laughs> screen. Yeah. A friend of mine says that you can see Darth Vader's helmet in in when when the title sequence goes green near the beginning, and actually, if you pause it, you know you can. I mean, don't go back and have a look because we're in a commentary and we're live now. All right. Okay, so here we go. Can you see? Can you see Darth Vader's helmet in in the Time Monster in the Minotaur scenes? Oh, very much so. Yes, certainly the actor, at least. Um. Oh yeah, this is that bit, isn't it? Where he's like, oh. so obviously a polystyrene cup, bless him. <laughs> so who's trying to kill them? Is it Lobos? It's yeah, yeah. He's the well. It, I, the inference is that the, the the prison governor is in it because they they try they they're trying to get rid of him because he's a political agitator and a political prisoner and occasionally they let prisoners try to escape to stop other prisoners from thinking that they'll be able to get out so uh, it's it's a sort of yeah, Daniel, do you remember that scene just sit mark down there professor well done you remember that scene in mark of the rani when the doctor's hanging off that chain down the pit do you remember that yeah and mm -hmm. and because it's actually colin baker hanging down a hole that they yeah. can only tap the, the, the they're trying to like pretend that they're attacking it and they're going to get him down but they're tapping it really gently because mm. the actor's genuinely hanging over that's the same sort of way that john Pertwee was hitting that wall then with that yes. <laughs> if i do this with any more force it's gonna go i think someone somebody managed to dislocate colin's finger when they did that or they hurt they, they damaged they, they hit they hit his finger oh wow. Roger Delgado loves well, look, Colin, Speaking of Colin Baker, he'd be very happy because they look like they're wearing Crocs. Oh, oh they do, don't they? I've never noticed that before. Yeah. Look at Pertwee's hairy chest and that medallion he's wearing. <laughs> Honestly, what is going on? Well, Terence Dix always says you can tell how 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 far you are in Pertwee's era when you, you see the size of his bouffant. So I, he's also got, I didn't realise he was a medallion man. Is that the TARDIS key, though? Um, it's not medallion. Is it the TARDIS key? I'm not sure. It's very Del Boy, though. That look, I'm telling you. It's, I think it's the, the Doctor Who discontinuity guy says, I think about when it's in the Green Death, he says that the Doctor, says the doctor wears um, uh, a horrible um, waistcoat and probably smells of high karate aftershave. <laughs> yeah, you know, Pertwee, he's a brute wearer, isn't he, Pertwee, for <laughs> sure. Um, do, you, do you think this is a deliberate subversion of uh, the Sea Devils, where um, 
the doctor visited the master in prison. <clears throat> well, he says it, doesn't he? You know, does he say it that, you know, you once visited me in prison, doctor, and now here I am the other side of the bars or something? Yeah. And do you think that is one of the joys of having like an incarnation of the doctor that is uh, settled in one place is mm. that you can have like running threads going through it yeah. the same thing happens with Eccleston's doctor doesn't he when when the show comes back and he's kind of based on earth we keep going back to that earth setting so there's running storylines there's only a few periods of doctor who that do it yeah yeah you've got with um <laughs> going back with with Eccleston you've got the um boomtown with um Annette Badland coming back haven't you yeah good episode and a lot of people don't like it. But I think it's a really uh, Annette Badland's brilliant in it, and she's brilliant in Aliens of London and and World War Three. Out of all the, the Slovene, get me teeth, Slovene actors, she's uh, she's there's a sinisterness about her, really I, good. I love the bit where she says, you know, look me in the eye, mm. and deal with the consequences. Although mm. there's one line that she has that's even better than that. Can you guess what it is? It was a very icy patch. Oh no, that's a great line as well. I was thinking of dinner in bondage. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. What was it? The excess poison can be exhaled through the lungs. <sighs> <laughs> but there's a bit in, in World War Three where he's talking, they're, they're, they're in the conference chamber, and just as he closes the door on her, She's got a real sort of sinister look about it. I'm going to deep. And then suddenly there's a slight change and she suddenly looks worried. Mm. So just really very careful. Oh, this is the bit where he says about all the, the charges, isn't it? It seems I'm quite the master criminal, in inverted commas. <laughs> he's, he's getting done for battery as well. He's been a busy boy, the Doctor, honestly. Look, I think, again, have you noticed how all the scenes set on the moon base have mm -hmm. got this sort of very subtle blue light on yes. this? Yes. I think, I think whoever's lighting this story is very similar. Oh, that's a lovely it, shot. The, the lighting and the design, it doesn't it, matter if, if you haven't got, yeah, if you get your lighting right and your design right, shadow there's the shadows it goes back to when we said in the, the first episode where you have the grill over the top of the set to mm. make it look like they were in a cage and here you've got you know that there's it's not it's sympathetically lit and i don't want to sort of slag off the 80s but you imagine this scene in the 80s oh, it would be bright and there'd yeah, be light at the back yeah. and it looks so much I think you and can stick a the bars on the top. Sorry, or you could probably do it on two hands. How many stories mm -hmm. in the '80s are truly sympathetically lit? I mean, even a story like Revelation of the Daleks, which is Graham Harper, and he's a brilliant director. Mm. Those scenes in the catacombs are still quite, quite bright. Um, do you know, I saw that on the big screen recently. Oh, my God. Do you know, I didn't realise how funny that story was until I saw it with an audience. Everyone was in bloody stitches. And I realised just how funny Joe Bell was. Very creepy. I'd rather run away with my mother than own a fawning little creep like you. What a bastard. <laughs> but the show's oh. in a very, very different place here, isn't it, to, to where, where it was. 
is going it, there. It's very family friendly here. It's not forgetting that you've got a, ch a child audience watching this. So, so you've got the master. But at the same time, it's not talking down to the audience and it's not, um, you know, it, it's not childish in any way, but it's, fa it's, it's family friendly. And as I've said, I've watched this episode with my children and, and Planet of the Daleks as well. And they, they, they love them, they, you know, and it's, they're not, there's, it, there's nothing in there, that, there's nothing in these stories that I wouldn't, that I'd be worried about my no. children seeing. Whereas maybe uh, Revelation of the Daleks, there's no chance my kids are going to watch that before they're, I don't know, 10, 10, 11. I mean, I was about 10 or 11 when I saw it and it, it was, it was fine for me, mm. but yeah. Do you know the bit where Kara gets, uh, he, he slips that knife into her stomach. Mm -hmm. On the Blu-ray, they've added the sound effect of that knife going through bones. It's like, ooh, ooh. it's really, on the, on the big screen, it was really nasty. It is, I mean, it is, it's very sudden and quite graphic. Mm. Uh, made all the more by, by the fact that William Gore's performance is so understated. It's kind brilliant. Charming until that point. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and then you kind of, it sort of shocks you into realising, no, this guy is an assassin. Okay, I'm going to contradict myself. Okay. And in doing so, ask you another question. Um, and that is, like, this, you know, I've said that I think this is my favourite episode of the story, and it right. is because of Delgado, Manning, and Perwey. Mm -hmm. But could this have been uh, a four-part story and still, you know, told essentially the same narrative? Um, yes, because you could You could have got rid of the the moon sequences, really, couldn't you? So, so if you're saying you can get rid of the moon sequences and this episode, then actually you could have gone. You could have gone from Earth to Draconia, couldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Technically, like you'd have missed a lot of detail and a lot of fun, but and a lot of fun and a lot of character building and a bit of yeah. Oh, listen to this. I told the Time Lords, if I choose to go wandering around the universe, that's my business, all right? <laughs> that is not how it went, okay? <laughs> oh, dear. He does a lot of sitting down in this story, I've just realised, but and I know that he had back problems, didn't he? So I wonder if that's sort of a, a, a deliberate thing or if it's just... I mean, he has quite a busy time in Planet of the Daleks, so, you know... <laughs> But then he spends most of episode one in Planet of the Daleks on his back. I'm not entirely sure, you know, if a piece of wire would cut through prison bars like that. No, looks looks like a cheese wire, so I don't think it would. Look at the time, it's, it's five to five in the morning. <laughs> it's dangerous having a clock on set, you know, because you have to keep an eye on that. Yes, that's it. Here we go. So I'm wondering if this is one of those UFO spaceships taking a little dive now oh my god see the trouble is with Lethbridge Stewart is he's got a military mind and he's so funny you simply got to cut through all the red tape oh I've got the subtitles up this dialogue is gold it is very funny but you kind of got to know the characters haven't you like, I can't imagine yes. Someone just switching. Imagine switching just this episode on if you'd never seen it before. You'd be like, "What the hell is this?" Well, you know, this is the, when you 
with the as we said with the with the video releases being out of order mm. just somebody picking this up thinking oh i've heard i've heard about doctor who oh here's here's a doctor here's a doctor who dvd oh there's a dalek on it and there's monsters so it's obviously quite good um and you had no, no idea who these characters are did you see what the master was reading just then war of the worlds yes oh, i thought it would have been the time machine you know that always seems to be the book they pedal out it is but war of the worlds uh, well no no i get oh uh, yeah no, no i do get sorry, it yes <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> keep up joe keep up <laughs> I know I'm exceedingly dim. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Daniel, why are you trapped to a circular saw right now, honestly? <laughs> well, because Terence said, and I do, I'd do anything for Terence. Do you know, Liz Sladen says that, you know. She says that in the robot commentary. He, he's, yes, she does, doesn't she? Yeah. He's peddling out that same old cliche. In a, in a commentary recently, that's where it's come, come, come into my head. She says, I'd only do that for you, Terence. Yes. Do you know the front of that spaceship does look a bit like a ping pong ball, doesn't it? I'm glad you said ping pong ball. Um, oh. It does a bit, doesn't it? Oh. Daniel Knight! <laughs> I'm going to say it, and you, a Christian man, honestly. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, this is... I spend all day at dinner parties with Jane Bond types. Do you know what Terrence Dick says in the commentary? Because she's going, oh, I got these moments to improvise. And then, you know, and it's amazing yeah. that you trust me. And Terrence Dick goes, Katie, if there's anyone I'll trust to just stand there talking to herself, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think these spaceport sequences, though, like they're all shot on film, aren't they? Like it's another way of making this. Yeah. I, you know, it's. It's weird because I grew up with television where if it was outside, it was always done on film. Mm -hmm. If it was inside, it was always done in the studio. And it isn't just Doctor Who, it's, you know, it's Blake Seven, it's, well, it's everything from Blake Seven to All Creatures Great and Small to The Good Life and um, Faulty Towers. Yeah. But people, people, it, we, it, it, people can't understand it now. No, I know. What are you talking I mean, about? Strings. What are you talking about? This is, this is on location. This has been filmed in space. Is it being filmed in space? Yeah. Oh. Now look, people people criticise that wire that is attached yeah. to John Pertwee right now. Yeah. I think it's very sensible if you're going to go hanging outside a spaceship, you know, if you connect yourself up to a wire. Well, um, absolutely. I mean, look, look what's occurring right now. <laughs> I think that looks pretty good, actually. It is, yeah. There's um, another story. They do it with... Um, enlightenment don't they when they do the the outside of the ship um with the doctor tegan and turlo and mariner going out and then turlo jumps off overboard um, i think i think you'll find that is also filmed in space actually you know that is not not an ealing film studios no, no, no. genuine space Fair enough. okay yeah. the budget was extraordinary in the 80s honestly um <laughs> Like, okay, I've got another biggie then for you. I'm oh, sorry, I've got another big question for you. I'm so sorry. Oh, Daniel. I believe this um, is where, if Fraser was here, he'd say, stop it. Yeah, or oh, Lucy McCall's Brigadier be, oh, she, be giving me the eye. Get the, get the Brigadier out. Your parents will be after me. 
honestly. Um, you were just talking about film and video then, and how that was the norm back then, yeah, mm -hmm. and how yeah. like they say in the commentary about how like television center at that point when the commentary was done was being sold because they just didn't film in studios anymore that all of yeah. television was done on film yeah do you think that's to the advantage of television because i i think a lot of tv these days just all looks very samey and indistinct you know because everything just looks realistic whereas back then you know, like those studio drawing rooms from stories like Canine and Company and Stones of Blood, they just look gorgeous, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, as you say, everywhere looks sort of the same as it does. You, yeah. you could switch on the television and, you know, it's, it's, if it's a murder mystery, you're in somebody's front room and it's, it's filmed in a very nice house and, you know, there's a, there's a, coffee percolator on the table on the on, and they've always got one of those great big sort of sort of what are they called the square things in, in kitchens sort of like a, a huge sort of like central unit where oh, got, oh sorry. fridge sorry <laughs> i know you like the island the island in the yes, middle of the, the island that's thank you thank you and they've always got and it's sort of like and then you know inspector what's his face whether it's from midsummer murders or whoever <sighs> you know shakespeare and hathaway and you just it, it, yeah it does look all the same whereas yeah, back in the olden days, where you'd have where sets would be filmed for sets at a television center or wherever it would be filmed would be made for you know things like Julia Bravo or whatever. The design would be you know they they would think about the character. I mean, you look at take for example, you look at you look at the in the Good Life. You've got the Goods House and you've got the Leadbetters, yeah. and they're so dis they're so distinct in their design, and they're so distinct from their their, their characters are reflected. You know, you've got the slapdash, slightly untidy kitchen of Tom and Barbara, with the sort of pristine modern kitchen that Margot has, and the, you know their front room. But whereas it would in no way improve generic houses. Yeah, it would be in no way improved by being on film. No, location, no, no. In fact. I think it would probably lack its sort of, I don't know, the, the character. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to make a point, and I think I'm making it really, really badly. I just no, think no, the design no. was more idiosyncratic back then and more unique. Mm -hmm. And now it's just very bland. It all looks good because it's a genuine location. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think I've ever sounded more up. <laughs> they had to be by necessity. They had to, you know, they used the studios because it could all be filmed in one and you didn't have to, you know, you know com certainly comedies were filmed in front of a studio audience in those days, which is very, which very much not the norm nowadays. But then, um, back then, you it came down to the imagination of the set designers, didn't it? They were building yeah. that entire world. Whereas now, they're just sort of dressing a, dressing a location. They're just dressing a location, yeah. You go into, you go into a, um, you go on a set or you're, you're, you go to someone's house to film and it's it's like, you know, they may have put some flowers or, or whatever, they'll, they'll, but it's it's someone else's house. It's not it's not specifically designed to reflect that person's character. Yeah. It may be sort of tarted up, to this, but it's, it's not quite the same. And I genuinely think that's why Doctor Who had such an impact in 2005 when it came back, you know, like, like you just hadn't seen anything like the end of the world. You know, no. or, anything, or you know, things like that. 
But wasn't I wasn't Jackie Tyler's flat in a studio? It wasn't actually yeah. a real flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it so gets bigger every flat. time. Every time we went back to it, that kitchen was double the size. <laughs> <laughs> Had to be because of the Savine, you know, get the Savine through the door, and then the Christmas through. tree, the killer Christmas tree. What all this has to do with Frontier in Space? I've got no. Oh no, we was, it's because it was shot on film, wasn't it? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, hang on. But you know, Toby Hado talks about this in one of the commentaries, and he says, you know, he tries to explain to his mum that's film, that's video, that's, and she just goes, yeah, well, I'll go and put your tea on. N never mind, you know, like <laughs> called pieballing or something. The I'll process. Pardon, that sounds absolutely disgusting. Pieballing. No, one doc. One. I think it's the. I think it's um. Oh, what's the guy? Who's the guy who does resurrect, direct of Resurrection of the Daleks? Oh, Matthew about it then. And I think I'm pretty sure that's the term he used. Pieball. I, I could be talking complete nonsense. But don't you think as well, when Doctor Who goes all on video, mm -hmm. in LA, it suddenly looks really cheap. Yes. It, it, it's got that sort of weird crispness to it. It, mm -hmm. it, it lacks a sort of period drama yeah smoothness to to the location work but uh, again there were a lot of dramas at the time that were certainly on the bbc were moving towards being on videotape rather than on film um yeah would you know there there some some weren't i mean i think bergerac things like bergerac were filmed on were done on film but um but you know what there's two patricia routledge shows right keeping up appearances mm -hmm. and yeah. Hetty Wainfrop investigates. Now, I love Patricia Rush. I've got both series. And um, keeping up appearances feels, is all done on videotape. Yeah. And it's crisp and it feels very modern. And it looks mm -hmm. like it's been shot last week. Yes. Hetty Wainfrop investigates was done years after keeping up appearances. It's all shot on film. And that feels like it was done in the early 70s. Mm. Yes. So, so it is interesting, isn't it? That yes. uh, yeah, what kind of feels modern and not? What's going on? I've lost track of the story now. <laughs> um, the, the draconians have taken over. They, they've they've found. Yeah, the draconians have taken over, and they're going off to the draconian planet. And the master's got the um because he's in the prison cell now with with the doctor and Joe. Last time I looked on the screen, uh, the master was reading his book and the doctor was hanging in space. I know. And then we decided we were going to talk about the difference between film and studios. <laughs> That's the joy of things, though, isn't it? Sometimes you end up... Yeah, you're going off on a tangent. Heading off somewhere, yeah. I do like the fact that the master has got um, cufflinks. I don't think so, it's so... much about how gripping the story is that he's going to have a sleep, though. No. <laughs> Wake me up when we get there. <laughs> Oh, this is that weird cliffhanger I was telling you about earlier. It is, yes. Dramatic reveal of an Obron. An Obron watching Star Trek. <laughs> oh, is he? Oh. Well, I don't know, but now this. Uh... Oh, yeah, no, because we see this this um, set later on in the story. I think that was Gruntley again. You know. That's Gruntley watching Star Trek. Did you see? Did you see the Surely, way he was, he was doing the controls? Do you know yes. who he reminded me of? He reminded me of Lee John going, they're gaining on us. Mm. <laughs> he was really getting into those controls then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lee John. 
Um, well, I mean, I do think that probably was the episode where you could kind of diverge. You could, have cut, that you could have cut, yeah. In, in terms of the plot, not much happens there, is it? No, but you'd miss Katie Manning doing her wonderful improvised speech about how life with the Doctor is not really as all she would, thought it would be. Very, very true. Yeah, do you reckon if Roger Delgado had um, had lived longer, that he would have been big on the convention circuit? Yeah, what would he, what would be his sort of eye patch story? Oh gosh, I don't know. <clears throat> his equivalent of the eye patch story. I reckon Pertwee would have convinced him though. Oh yeah, they would have been. They would have been. It would have probably been him and Pertwee with with the uh, with the water pistols instead of instead of Troughton. Oh, I would have loved to have that, you know. Yeah. So sorry, I keep telling you these stories. <laughs> At that signing I went to the other day, right? Someone had a first edition copy of the Time Machine. That alone must be worth a fortune, right? Really? Oh wow! First edition. Edition. Inside. He had 900 signatures of different Doctor Who actors and every Doctor going back mm. to Patrick Troughton. Wow. That must be worth a bit of money, don't you think? I have got Patrick Troughton's autograph. I met him. Um, huh? He signed, yeah, he signed my copy of The Three Doctors. Um, he was in Oxford doing, I think he was doing, it was when he did The Box of Delights. And I, he was in a bookshop in Oxford and I went into Oxford and got his signature there. What can you tell me? I saw the cover of the three doctors and go, oh my word, this takes me back and then just signed it. Like, oh, okay. I was going to ask like, if he was charming or not because I've, oh, I've heard yeah, he I've was had, like, anecdotes of every other Doctor Who actor, but no one has told me that they've met Troughton yet. So you're the first person that's told it me was, that. I would, it must have been about nine or ten and he was absolutely sort of uh, dumb, dumb, dumbstruck because it, it was the Doctor, even though it wasn't a Doctor Who you know, had been on the television when I was alive. It was, it was the Doctor, and and that was that was what made it special. Well, to round off this uh, this sort of Casey Manning uh, spectacular, I've got a story about Casey Manning that I'd like to tell. Have you met Casey Manning? Yes, I told you about it, didn't I? About the kiss. Oh, of course. Oh, you've been snogged by it. Oh, well, then my story is not even Well, I'm saying it was a peck on the cheek, but it was, you know, you get pecked on the cheek by, by an actress in Doctor Who, and it's like you can talk about it for the next 30 years. Well, Wendy Papri didn't want to hug me last time I met her. Honestly, I was trying really hard. She gave me one look up and down, and she went, no, don't touch me. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I have I have met Wendy Pampery as well, and she was lovely. Oh, she was really lovely. No, don't get me wrong. She was super lovely. I, I, the way I asked the question was, can I touch you? So, you know, like, you can understand her reaction. No wonder she walked off to you discussed. Um, uh, but my, my story about Katie Manning is that she did um, a telephone interview for me once for my... Uh, review blog doc her reviews and she was told specifically uh so i was told specifically you got 30 minutes with her and that's it and do not see that time you know she's a busy woman and she came on the phone and was two hours later charming and chatty and wonderful and half an hour in i was trying to get these questions out really really quick because we're talking about her autobiography um audio that she did not a well woman and half an hour in, I said, look, I'm, I've, I've got to stop there. Like, I've been and she went, oh, nonsense, darling. Honestly, we're having a nice chat. 
I'm not kidding you. We talked for nearly three hours. Like she was extraordinarily kind with us. I can, she's just such a lovely person. But, but to be honest, I've never met anyone from Doctor Who who wasn't lovely. And I think that's one of the things that's wonderful about this show is that everybody who's been in it has such a love for it. They enjoyed it. Yeah. And they and you know they they have so much time for the fans. They they. I mean, who wouldn't, you know, if you go to these conventions and people tell you how wonderful you are, it must be a wonderful experience, um, if a little bit freaky. But still, it, it's just, you know, there's, you see people like, um, you know, I mean, uh, I, I remember that Katie Manning tweeted something to Freema Adjiman. And, you know, it's about 30 years apart in Doctor Who, and there's this wonderful sense of this Doctor Who family, not just for the fans, but the people who are in it, who... You know, they meet up at these conventions and they, you know, they chat and they talk about and they compare stories about, you know, you know, oh, well, I went, I, I was in a rubbish dump for, for the for the war games and you know, Nicola Bright over here went to Spain. You know, it's like. And you can see you know, now, because when they do the behind the sofas and things like that, they put together combinations of people like Annika Wilson, mm. Sophie Aldred, Wendy Padbury and Janet Fielding. They've made lifelong friendships as well via that convention. Yeah. Okay. That's it essentially like like we've made friendships doing podcasts and on twitter and things like that you know it's it's a very inclusive thing this doctor who isn't it and as you were saying before we started recording it's it's more than a tv show it's okay i'm gonna be bold because you said hobby but i'm gonna say lifestyle in a way in a way in a way i suppose yeah yeah um yeah, because I, you know, you do. I mean, you talked. I mean, just by sort of putting silly pictures of my giant robot on with my kids' toys, you know, there was one the other day that somebody um, retweeted, and I looked on it the other. I've got about fifty, nearly sixty, seventy likes about it. I'm like, yeah. seriously, it's just a picture of, uh, you know, of a of a the giant robot with whatever it was. I think it was my son's Hey Dougie um, teddy bear, you know, and just something like that just sort of people respond to it, it's there's nothing there's no other tv show like it I'm, I'm, i suppose maybe star trek or something like that but i don't even know but i think star trek doesn't really not anymore appeal to children whereas doctor who still has that appeal to children I you know we tried watching star trek with my children and they were bored to be honest oh, but daleks i mean my kids love the daleks jesus they've got their own daleks my two-year-old wants a dalek well, I'll tell you what, this wonderful show brought you and me together. And uh -huh. we get the delight and honour to next talk about episode five. Ah, there we are. Can't wait. <laughs>